Hey, welcome to the Resolve Podcast, episode number 12. I'm Carly Tizano, a New Year's resolution coach, obsessed with all things goal setting, personal development, coaching, and of course, resolutions. One of my biggest goals is to help you reach yours. I'm here to provide the tools, support, and inspiration you need to reach your goals this year and every year, and to feel supported every day along the way. Today, I have a very exciting interview that I cannot wait to share with you um, with my sweet friend, Morgan Dodson. Morgan Dodson is a life coach for people with ADHD. She helps them go paperless and digitally organize their lives into simple tools they can use forever, not Pinterest perfect strategies that fall flat after a few weeks. In 2018, she started a professional home organizing business, but after hiring her first life coach, losing 75 pounds, stopping drinking, being diagnosed with ADHD and overcoming her hyperthyroidism, she decided to become a coach herself. Ever since then, she's been working online with ADHDers from all over the world to simplify their lives by going paperless for the last time. Even if you're not attempting to go paperless, and even if you don't have ADHD, Morgan has so much insight and wisdom to share about a variety of topics. I cannot wait to dive into this interview with you. So without further ado, here is my interview with Morgan Dotson. Morgan, thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. I am so excited to talk with you and I'll have to refrain from calling you Charlotte because I know you as my Charlotte, not Carly. So that'll it's be okay. interesting. <laughs> I answer to either. So for those yes. of you who don't know, my real name, legal name is Charlotte. I've gone by Carly ever since I was a kid. But when Morgan and I first started connecting and emailing with each other, my personal emails come from the name Charlotte. And so she decided just to go with that. <laughs> I decided you didn't, I didn't even ask. I don't think, I think I just decided for us. Charlotte. (laughs) You're actually the only person in my life who calls me Charlotte regularly. I love it. Yes. I like it. Yeah. So Morgan, share a little bit about your journey and how you got to where you are with us. Yeah. Gosh. And how much time do we have all day? (laughs) So my name is Morgan Dotson. Growing up, I was a bit of a hot mess on the inside. And when I got into adulthood, a lot of the habits that I started with as a child, like obsessively organizing things, generally being a control freak, didn't really serve me as an adult. (laughs) A lot of perfectionism and trying to control people around me because I never really felt like an inner sense of control. So I ended up in college being diagnosed with ADHD, which is a significant part of my mental health and my coaching journey too. But I really struggled with my weight. I was about 200 pounds, the heaviest in college and then shortly after college. At age 22, I was diagnosed with ADHD and stalled out in therapy, which is a relatively common thing as I have come to know now. Mm -hmm. And it was around that time where... Yes, I was in therapy. Yes, I was doing lots of things to work on my mental health. But like I said, I was so overweight and stalled out. So I happened to stumble upon Brooke Castillo's podcast, the Life Coach School podcast. And that's when everything changed for me. And it was interesting, right? Like I had listened to so many different podcasts and people always talked about this lady, Brooke Castillo. And I'm like, oh, fine. I will go find one of the <laughs> podcasts just to see what all of the, the fuss is about and end up changing my whole life. So after going and working with her in her membership program, I ended up losing about 75 pounds. But more than that, it has given me so many tools to manage my emotions and manage my mind and my life. And as a result of that work, there's always the result you want, which was weight loss for me. And I got that, but the ripple effects of not just losing weight, but being able to manage my emotions has been the most incredible and valuable part that the weight loss is nice, but the rest is 
amazing. Like I wouldn't trade that for the world. So that's a little bit about my journey, but I know you have some amazing questions prepared. So I will just let you rapid fire ask away. (laughs) Yeah. As you just shared, and as I shared in your bio, there are so many different aspects of your journey that you've gone through and grown from. And so today I really want to focus on the weight loss aspect. I'm certainly going to have you back to talk about all of the other things, but I wanted to talk about weight loss today because it's a journey that you're kind of fresh out from. It's been a couple of months since you've really focused and moved on to other things. And it's a journey that I kind of met you right as you were starting it. And so it's been so yeah, fun. Yeah. Do walk. they know how we met? I don't know that they do. I need to share. We, ha- we have to tell them. <laughs> oh, so several years ago, I, I had a professional organizing business. A lot of you know, Charlotte Carly is a <laughs> professional organizer as well as a life coach. So I was listening to one of my mentors, Jen Obermeyer. She has a professional organizing podcast and you were interviewed on there. And I'm like, oh my God, this girl, Carly, she blended professional organizing and life coaching. I was also in the process of doing that myself. So I'm like, oh my God, I have to meet her. So then I went to your website. I found your email and I just emailed you and I said, Hey, Carly, just writing to let you know, I found you on Jen's podcast. And I just wanted to let you know that we're friends. I have decided (laughs) not even like a question. Like I just decided that we're friends and that we need to meet because that's what friends do. And then we just, we met probably on Zoom or something. And then I knew you were at the time getting certified through the life coach school. Mm -hmm. And that's also through Brooke Castillo, which I was working with at the time. So I knew that part of the certification was you also had to have someone to coach to practice. So I'm like, I volunteer as a tribute. (laughs) And so she started coaching me as part of being certified and the rest is history. We would meet like every other week for coaching. And then after she got certified, didn't need to do it anymore. We just said, let's just keep meeting every other week. So we've Mm -hmm. had a standing every other week meeting for like over a year now. Yeah. I I think that's a testament to all the good that can come from the internet, all the people you can meet. But so shifting gears back to losing weight, you had just made the decision and started off on that journey when I met you. What was a catalyst or what led you to that decision when you were like, okay, now is the time I'm going to start losing weight. Like the fall of 2019 is where everything changed because that was like a really pivotal time for me because I had decided I'm going to phase out therapy. I loved Mm -hmm. my therapist. I had just outgrown the container of therapy as a means to work on myself and in terms of my passion for personal development and coaching. That was also when I discovered Brooke's podcast and it wasn't like an immediate click of, okay, I'm going to go lose weight now. Mm -hmm. Like it was a slow burn of gaining all the weight over several years and then finding her. And then it wasn't even until January or February, I decided to join her program. So It was like a slow selling of myself on Mm. this is the goal that I want to work on. Nothing else in my life is as important as this goal right here, right now. It wasn't like a big click. It was just, I had to take that leap of trusting Brooke as my coach, trusting that she knew what she was doing. And I was willing to give up things that I initially was like, oh, no sugar, no flour. It's a no for me, but I was so desperate for a solution and I trusted her. I think that's a huge thing too, is being able to trust your coach to lead you and trust that she knows what she's doing to 
help you get the result you want. Yeah. I think that's a big part of it. And that's why a lot of times as coaches, it's such a big part of our job to show up consistently so that people have that time to build the relationships with us. So we can establish that we do know what we're talking about. We are trustworthy. We do have the tools and the skills and the knowledge that we can share with them to help them reach their goals, whatever that is, whether that's weight loss or starting a business or anything else. And I also thought it was interesting talking about how it took several years to get up to the weight that you were at. And it took you some time to make that decision that you were ready to make a change. And that also, of course, took some time to get down to the weight that you're at now. And I think sometimes we forget that it's all a process. We think it all just happens in a moment. And of course, our bodies all change at different rates, depending on what we eat or don't eat or the process that we follow. But no matter what you do, every single part of that is a process. Yeah. I love processes. You and me, we're very type A people. (laughs) If I could process anything on the planet, I do. And I think it's also trusting the process, right? Mm -hmm. It's even in those times where I had my protocol and I was following it and maybe my body just hadn't caught up with that yet, was still holding onto some weight. Not necessarily a plateau, but it's like the rate that my weight would go down was very predictable for the first, I'd say six months that I was losing weight. And that's a beautiful thing for it to be such a steady loss of weight. And then once it got down to, okay, I'm losing the last, like right now I'm at 125. And when I got to 150, for sure, there was a time where I guess you can call it a plateau where I was stuck there. And then thankfully having amazing coaches and really having the tools to manage my mind around it. A lot of it being stuck there was totally mindset stuff. It was never Mm -hmm. like, oh, this is just my body. It just wants to stay here at 150. Like a lot of it was I even remember getting coached on this. It was thoughts like I'm doing it wrong. And this of course is running in the background, but like, I'm not consciously deciding I'm doing it wrong. I thought I was doing it wrong because I was stuck. And then I would randomly change things on my protocol or not properly decide to make a change. Mm -hmm. And then I looked up one day and I'm like, okay, there's seven different things I'm doing off my protocol. Let's go back to basics. And In terms of it all just being a process, like you just have to believe from scratch ahead of time that it's working. I'm doing everything right. And again, it does come back to trusting that process of even though your brain offers you thoughts like it's not working, being able to manage your mind around that is one of the most important parts of weight loss and any other goal. I think that's the biggest piece I've taken from it. Yeah. So you use the term protocol a few times. That's a very Brooke Castillo slash life coach term. So can you talk a little bit more about what a protocol is, how it varies from a diet and why you chose to go that route? Yeah. And even still today, my boyfriend who has been, we've been together even before I started losing weight, he still calls it a diet. Even though (laughs) I say it's a protocol, it's a protocol. And so protocol to me, is just a list of decisions that guide all the rest of the decisions that I do Mm -hmm. on a daily basis. So my food protocol really serves me in the sense of it's not a guessing game of what to eat every day. So for instance, my protocol is no sugar, no flour. I eat lunch at two dinner at six and a bulletproof coffee in the morning. And that's about as simple as it gets. And that guides all the decisions for food that I eat on a daily basis. And it's the most magical thing ever. I love that it's not just something that I put in place to lose the weight, which is a diet. So really for me, and and this is something I didn't anticipate, like losing the weight the whole way down. I'm like, oh, those people who get there and then it's maintenance from then on out. And then 
they changed their protocol. Oh, that for sure won't be me. I won't have any drama about that. And then I got there. Of course, I had drama. So there's just always opportunities to manage your mind the whole way. And that's about as simple as it gets. But I love the concept of a protocol so much that I have applied it to teaching my clients to create a protocol for planning what they're going to do on the calendar, protocols for all kinds of digital organization, things like even simple things like how to set up the folder structure of your Google Drive or whatever mm. it is, and not letting it be a guessing game that ends up being really confusing down the line. And that's where a lot of us get into trouble. If there's no clear decision made, and so then your brain likes to run around with all the, the vagueness, and then you don't actually move forward. So I'm obsessed with protocol. Yeah. As hearing you talk about it that way, um, it sounds like a protocol is like the decisions that correspond with particular actions or habits that you take on a daily basis. Yeah. I agree with that. And I love the idea that it removes the decisions that you need to make because that's what's so draining about not only weight loss, but so many of the things that we want to do in life, we are held back by having to make all of the little decisions that are required every step along the way. Yeah. It's exhausting. Yeah. It's so exhausting. And the amount of like freedom and clarity and just, I wouldn't say emptiness because my ADHD brain moves super fast. There's lots of stuff in there. So I would never say it's like emptier, but it's it's like it declutters my brain. Yeah. And it's amazing how many food decisions I used to make. And now, yes, I do have to make daily decisions, but it's so much less, which gives me so much freedom. Yeah. So I know that you didn't just come to this protocol of a bulletproof coffee in the morning and then lunch at two and dinner right. at six. It wasn't, that wasn't something that was given to you or told this is how you have to do it yeah. or something that you came to on day one. It's something that has been a long time coming to come to that protocol. And I know it's something that in the future, if something were to change or you wanted to try something new, you would be willing and open to doing that. So can you talk a little bit about that process of coming to this protocol, what that was like and how other people can, if they want to try a protocol instead of a diet, how they can begin that sculpting process of figuring out what's going to work for them. Yeah. And that's a fantastic question because a lot of times it's really hard to lose weight on somebody else's plan they made for you. Mm -hmm. And it's really important when you're setting up your own protocol to take ownership of all of the decisions in it. And even though the no sugar, no flour for lots of reasons was Brooke's recommendation for us, for our protocol, at the end of the day, I get to do whatever I want. So if I wanted my protocol to be, I eat sugar and flour and I drink alcohol and I drink coffee with sugar in it, like whatever it is, I could decide that's my protocol. But the key that made the biggest difference for me is making it my own Mm -hmm. and selling myself on why, even though the no sugar, no flour was her recommendation, I would purposely sell myself on why that was the best protocol ever. I don't know if like bringing it in is the best way to describe it, but making it my own and taking ownership of it versus, Mm -hmm. oh, well, Brooke says to eat no sugar, no flour. And then it's really easy to rebel against that plan, which is where a lot of us struggle with the diet. It's like Mm -hmm. rebelling against it and then going off of it is so common with diets. So that would make it easier to follow in a really subtle, but powerful way. And so as you were creating, since it didn't come come on day one, it did not start like this. So starting out, it was quite a bit different. And it's like, 
how we always say, you don't know how to do it until you do it. And then you know how to do it. So the best (laughs) advice I have is just lay out something, right? Make some decisions. And the most valuable way to spend your time and brain energy is testing it. There's no way to know ahead of time what protocol will work for you. That's craziness to think. Like now it's craziness for me to think that I could have possibly predicted that this would be my first call. And I have tested it every single day since February, 2020. So over a year and a half of testing and being able to be organized enough to track things like my weight consistently, not track my weight uh, three, four days a week. That's having that consistent data to look at when my brain likes to run around and say, Oh, I'm in a plateau, but really (laughs) I've weighed 154. I don't know, two and a half months. So having that data is so important. So it's gone through a lot of evolution. And I think one of the keys there is letting it evolve and not being too attached to Mm -hmm. one way of doing things. Like I've played around with changing up what times I eat lunch versus when I eat dinner. And then even like how often I plan exceptions, playing Mm -hmm. around with that and really just getting in tune with my body is a huge thing there too. Some people may not have sensitivities to dairy. Maybe some of them do, you know, me in particular, I know a lot of people love eating no dairy, but I've tried it a little bit and I just don't love it. So dairy is in my protocol. So just being in tune with how does my body even feel when Mm -hmm. I eat this stuff? Sometimes great, sometimes not, but that is a huge key in kind of guiding what changes to make. And then yeah, it's all about that data to make the changes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite examples is one of my clients who tweaked her protocol by getting some new pajamas because she needed these new lighter pajamas that were then going to help her sleep better because we were going to tweak her sleep to try and figure out how that was impacting her weight loss. And sure enough, the new pajamas, better sleep, all of it played a role. And so I love seeing how even just the tiny things in very disparate areas of your life that may or may not seem like they really relate. They totally do. And when you have that data and you've been tracking and you're willing to continue to make those changes, even, and especially if you're in one of those plateaus, quote unquote, for lack of a better term, or you just feel like you're not making as much progress as you want it, you're wanting to having that belief that we talked about before that you can do it, that you will get there is so important. And then the only thing that lies between where you are now and where you're going to be is all of those little tweaks and changes and just the time it's going to take to make them. Totally. And I used to get myself into a lot of mind drama before my new life coaching of just give me the hacks, right? Give me like the little tips and tricks. I was like a life hack hoarder. It felt Mm -hmm. like I would, I just remember feeling so desperate and desperately searching the ends of the internet and Pinterest and whatever it was to like find the secret life hack that I didn't know about that Mm -hmm. somehow the universe was holding out on me. And if only I knew this one little tip or trick, then I could lose all the weight. But what I have come to know is those little tiny tricks and stuff, I I don't even call them tricks or hacks or whatever it is. Like those come at the very end. Yeah. And a lot of us try to like skip to the end to have that magical thing that makes the big change, but Mm -hmm. those really do come at the end. What happens first is it's like the cliche saying of go back to basics. And I am telling you, like every single time I have been stuck in a plateau or not feeling great in my body or even, oh, wow, my sleep has been terrible the last two weeks. What's going on? It's like, oh, I've been making unconscious changes to my protocol or even so I eat dinner at six, sometimes seven. And it's if I eat any later than that, 
it affects my sleep. So it's okay. A, am I eating sugar? That'll affect it. And B, what time did I eat dinner? Is my body trying to digest food while it's also trying to sleep? And I'm telling you, I get the best sleep ever now. No sugar. I sleep like a baby eating dinner and just not even eat dinner. And then, oh, I have a little snack before bed. If it's just a little snack, it'll be fine. No, like my (laughs) stomach has to be empty to go to bed or else I can't sleep. And that in and of itself has made the most magical difference in my life in so many ways. Yeah. How interesting. It's so fun to see how well you know yourself and your body and Also, just knowing that in the last kind of 18 months, you've made all of these changes, you've had all of these results, and you've gotten to know yourself so well. So shifting, though, from the magical side, what has been the hardest part of the weight loss journey for you? The self-judgment, navigating all the self-judgment. It just, it feels like it's never ending. When I think I've mastered it, I'm all coached up, which is always a lie. That has been one of the trickiest things to solve. I don't even know if solve is the best word, right? Because it's like... Mm -hmm. Self-judgment prevents us from solving any other problems. As long as we're judging ourselves, no real learning can occur. You can't be curious. You could try and white knuckle your way to being curious about how to solve the problem that you're Mm -hmm. up against. But then whatever curious goes and finds, you're just going to judge yourself for. And then it's almost like self-judgment will just smack it down. And then you learn Mm -hmm. nothing and you don't move forward. So it's like one of the most excruciating things to give up because it's so well-practiced for those of us who have had lots of weight to lose, or even if you've not necessarily been overweight, you've just struggled with body image and, and struggled with overeating. Even if your body isn't necessarily overweight, the self-judgment is so painful to give up because it is so practiced, but it's ironically the most important thing you have to give up in order to lose weight and whatever you're judging yourself or what you ate, whether it's off particle or on part, it doesn't matter. If you're judging yourself, you will continue to eat crap, which only Mm -hmm. perpetuates the problem. So that has been challenging. And even the main year that I lost weight was the COVID year 2020. So I know a lot of people struggle with gaining weight, but I lost so much weight that year. But then what was interesting this year, so we're recording this in August of 2021, is there are certain things we were able to do this year that we weren't able to do last year. So like, for instance, we went on more trips and we traveled more and I didn't have to learn a lot of those skills last year because I was at home. So I got really good at eating on protocol at home, but then, and I had lost, I probably hit in the one twenties last, like almost a year ago, literally. And so you would think, oh, okay. I hit my goal weight. I'm done. No. (laughs) funny. So cute. I remember getting coaching on this once too. Like, when am I going to be done doing, working on food, doing thought work on food? And it was one of the most impactful transformations to have a coach offer me the perspective of there is no end Mm -hmm. and not in a dreadful way, but it's like a relationship in terms of a marriage, right? It's like, when am I going to be done working on my relationship with my husband, which I'm not married yet, but I love that metaphor for food and weight Mm -hmm. loss in your body. It's I think Warren Buffett, I think is the person who had this quote. And I of course paraphrase because I have no idea what the actual one is, but he said, if your body were like a car and if you had that car for the rest of your life, how would you treat that car? If you knew the car you were driving now was the one you would have for the rest of your life, would you be treating it like trash? Would you 
wash it regularly? Would you get it regular? Right? Like, how would you take care of that car you'd have forever? And that's true for our bodies too. We don't just get to trade it out when we're tired of it, or we don't like it, or it's got some dents or needs a paint job. So that has been truly transforming for really just looking at that relationship as a whole to food and to my body. Yeah. And I think the self-judgment, that's why you have to do the work because it doesn't just come down to, oh, I ate that and I shouldn't have. It comes down to, I don't like the number that I see on the scale and I don't like how my body looks in this outfit. And if you aren't dealing with that all the way down, like you said, if you're white knuckling it, you're still going to get to the end and still have all that work to do. Whereas if you're doing it all along the way, it is making the process so much easier. You're growing so much. And then you have that tool at least a little bit more (laughs) when you reach the end and you're going to continue on for the rest of your life in some ways. And I know that's for some people that can seem like a drag or a disappointment or a down thing, like they're never going to reach the end of this journey, but instead being able to view it like you do, you want to be on this journey forever. You don't want to ever just be able to close the door and forget it and ignore it. And you can continue to tweak and change your daily habits or your protocol for the rest of your life as you want to, not necessarily with the intention of losing weight, but just to maintain the healthy fit or whatever kind of body it is that you want. Because you're right, if we're stuck with this one body forever, we don't want it breaking down in the next five or 10 years. We want it going as long as possible and as effectively as possible. Yeah. And that, that made me think about, okay, so it's one thing to learn how to stop judging yourself around your body and your food and anything you're doing around there. But that is one thing that is so important. That's one huge thing that came out of, for me, picking one impossible goal to do, not just one at once, but really going all in on one and learning all those lessons in one area. And then taking a look at what worked over here in weight loss and now applying all those same Mm -hmm. lessons to my business. And now it is so fascinating to really dive deep into growing my business because I can think about any challenge I'm having over here in business. And I go back here to weight loss and Mm -hmm. say, okay, what lessons did I learn here that can apply over here? I can find any metaphor (laughs) and, and they make fantastic metaphors, right? Weight loss metaphors. Amazing. So that's another strategic byproduct of managing your mind all in one area. And then you can apply it to others versus And this is so common for me. I'm still getting coaching on it regularly. And I know a lot of people struggle with this too, is like the thought error of, I can do multiple things at once, like multiple goals or projects. It sounds so innocent, but really it will destroy any progress you make. Like you may inch forward slowly in five different things or even two different big goals. It's still something I get coached on regularly, but it is again, going back to basics of, okay, wait. I feel overwhelmed. How many things am I trying to work on at mm-hmm. once? And let's just take a step back and regroup. And then always hundred percent of the time when I work on less total things, I make way more progress and faster on just picking one thing and going mm-hmm. all in. Yeah. So shifting gears here, this is something I know because I walked through it with you and witnessed seeing how your relationship with food changed as you went through the the bulk of your weight loss journey. How would you describe that shift in relationship? It used to be food is, I guess you could say like a punishment. Like I have to punish myself into eating healthy because Mm. I or punish my overweight body and punish myself for making it overweight. I have to punish it with quote unquote healthy food that I didn't Mm. like. And so no wonder I never lost weight, surprise. And I think it's huge too, to just take a step back and say, what is my relationship with food and what do I want it to be? 
-hmm. I think are two questions that are so simple, but so powerful. And then to decide on purpose and then believe and practice those thoughts. Like I always say, believe from scratch and I write down my wish list thoughts of if I could have any relationship with food that I wanted, what would I want it to be? Mm-hmm. And some of those thoughts are food is fuel. Food makes me so healthy. And I, I do truly love eating healthy food mm-hmm. because now I have the effects of how amazing I feel emotionally and physically in this body. And that's what kind of helps me stay on my protocol too. It's not something I'm trying to beat myself up over for. It is a reward now, right? Like now the punishment is if I go eat a a whole thing of brownies and then I feel terrible, like that is literally no fun for me anymore. Yeah, It has taken all the fun out of eating foods that aren't fuel. Now that's not to say every once in a while I plan an exception in like maybe on Sunday, I go eat a piece of cheesecake or if we're going camping, I'm going to plan some s'mores because I love me some s'mores. So really it's not using it as like a coping mechanism for your life. If your mm-hmm. life is intolerable and you're using food to make it seem more tolerable, we've got some work to do. And that's the exact work I had to do because once I stopped eating food for entertainment, right? Ooh, crazy Saturday night. Let's go out to eat and just eat all the things. It's now that I'm eating food as fuel, I'm left with my life. And then mm-hmm. turns out when I did that, I didn't really like my life. Mm-hmm. So then a lot of the other life coaching tools came into play after I had my protocol up and running to work on my relationships, work on making money, working on my business and really working on my self-concept. That was a huge one too, of like, how do I want to see myself and really stepping into that? And then the result of doing that work on your life is now I have no reasons to overeat. Because if I like my life, I don't have to overeat to pretend to myself that it's better than it is. Yeah. So well put too. I think that's, that's the journey that so many people, (laughs) they want to go through it, or they may not yet know that they want to go through it, but that's so much of what it requires to get to the point and the goal that they really want. (laughs) So you mentioned s'mores and I did want to tell that story because it is, probably the one that stands out to me the most looking back on your weight loss journey. Last summer you were going camping and you were really excited. And you told me that you were planning an exception to have s'mores because s'mores are like your favorite food or were like your favorite food, not to give a hint at the ending. And so then we met probably two weeks later and I asked you how camping was. And then I asked you how the s'mores were and you froze and you looked off the screen and you went, Oh, I didn't have the s'mores. I guess I didn't really want them. I don't even remember this. It happened. And so that was so fascinating to me because I could tell when you had first talked about it, like you were excited, you were anticipating it. You thought you were going to really want them. And even you talking about the s'mores you'd had in the past and how much you loved them and your eyes lit up and you just had one of those really positive relationships with s'mores. So like you were describing before of using it as a really exciting thing in your life and a really exciting aspect of going camping. What was it like, maybe subconsciously, maybe consciously to reduce your desire in general, and also specifically for the things like s'mores that you really like? That's an interesting point to bring up too, is the goal of, you know, losing weight and, and following a protocol. The goal isn't just to stop eating We'll use the example of sugar and flour. Like the goal is it just to get yourself to stop eating sugar and flour? Because you don't have to do that. Right. You certainly can, but you don't have to. 
Yeah. And then to the point of desire, like I never ever considered this up until life coaching. And then Brooke Castillo once asked if I could take away your desire for sugar and flour and you didn't even want it, would you let me take it away? And that's huge because it's one thing to get yourself to stop eating sugar and flour. It's a whole nother thing to not want it altogether. It's like, I never think about going to the casino. Right. I never think about going to the strip club. I have no mm-hmm. desire to do that. So it's easy to not do that. I never think about it. I don't want to do that. And so to have that experience of really romanticizing s'mores, and I could really sell you on some s'mores. <laughs> I, I could be the most amazing salesperson for, I don't know, s'mores.com, if that's a thing. <laughs> and then being on the other side of it, now s'mores can't even get my attention now, which is the most magical thing. I'm trying to think which camping trip it was because usually we do s'mores in some form or fashion every single camping trip. And that's actually part of why you had chosen s'mores to be one of the things that you allowed yourself as a planned exception because it was something that you couldn't have all the time. Like you weren't going to go to the kitchen and (laughs) cook a s'more over your stove or in your oven. I know some people do that. No shame, no harm. I'm sure they're delicious, but you had particularly chosen that because it wasn't something you were going to have the opportunity to eat all the time. And so then you had the opportunity and you didn't. I know that just sounds crazy to me now. Like I still like maybe every once in a while. Yeah. I do plan it as an exception. I'm like, I'm going to enjoy me some s'mores this yeah. trip. and then I have one and I let it be complete. I'm not like, give me all the whole box. <laughs> let me make all of them and let me eat all of them. And I think that's a testament to really great self-coaching and mm-hmm. really paying attention to your mind around it, because it would be so easy to believe that it's a fact that I have to eat these because I don't get to eat them very often. And it's almost like a false scarcity. Like I can't just make these anytime I want. I totally could. I live on a farm. We have places to do a bonfire. Like I could go make a s'mores today Mm -hmm. in an hour. I could do that. Having thoughts like that really created a lot of desire. And then to have a coach reveal those thoughts to you and reveal your relationship to s'mores in in like a micro example is really where the true transformation comes from, right? To notice those thoughts and then to decide on purpose again, what do you want to think about s'mores? It's like, purposely, I'm choosing to believe I can have s'mores whenever I want. S'mores are not that big of a deal. I love them. I like them, but I'm not going to, it's, I think Jody Moore, it, it, she's another coach through the life coach school. I was listening to one of her coaching calls about it. And she said something that kind of blew my mind. She said, in terms of thinking about your relationship to food, if you just swapped out the food and how you talk about it and relate to it, if you swapped it out with an ex-boyfriend, you probably wouldn't be talking about it the same way. And she related it. I wouldn't want my daughter to ever think chocolate cake. Oh, it's so amazing. Or in the instance of an ex-boyfriend. Oh, it's so amazing. I love it so much. It doesn't care about me at all, but I keep going back to it. And I tested that for a while too. What if I just swapped out every time I thought about sugar and flour with an ex-boyfriend, like even just Mm. saying ex-boyfriend, oh, when am I going to get to see him next? I can't wait till the next time we're together. When's the next time we go camping to get s'mores? And that gave me such a different perspective on it that Mm -hmm. I couldn't really access by just still continuing to do that work on s'mores. So the desire piece is huge. Yeah. You shared so many great insights all throughout this conversation for people at every level, but I want to pull it back to someone who maybe is at that point where you were, maybe they're starting to feel that slow burn of, I am ready to make a change here. 
where should they start? That's a good question. I think one thing that has made the hugest difference for me in not just weight loss, but like right now I am working with a functional medicine doctor for um, my thyroid because I have mm-hmm. hyperthyroidism, Graves disease, and that has been another slow burn. Mm-hmm. I have had so much drama around my thyroid, which I would never have had access to being in the place of sufficiency with my weight to then pursue working on my thyroid. So my best advice of where to start is just keep following the breadcrumbs. Mm. And what I mean by that is like I mentioned, even in the beginning of this episode is I kept hearing people talk about Brooke Castillo. I kept hearing people talk about how transformative it has been for their ADHD to really change the way they eat and to stop eating certain things, start eating certain things, whatever it was. And it was always just, okay, that's interesting that I got mad about somebody on a podcast recommending that I change my diet (laughs) to manage my ADHD. That's hilarious. Oh, that's interesting that I had so much defensiveness about that. And even at the time I was like 200 pounds and miserable. So it makes sense looking back, but being able to say, okay, here's a breadcrumb. Let's go try this thing over here. I tried whole 30 failed within five days. So like for me, that didn't work looking back. It makes perfect sense from a mind management perspective, but I'm like, okay, whole 30, that apparently wasn't it for me. What's next? Mm-hmm. And not being like, a whole 30 didn't work. I'm doomed. It's like, okay. That wasn't it. Let's try something else. So continuing to just seek out random things, it's like this might work or it might be totally ridiculous and just being willing to try it versus being unwilling to try something that you think is ridiculous. Like, like I used to think life coaching was ridiculous. <laughs> I used to think, oh, life coaching, that's cute. And then it came to the point where I was like, everyone loves this Brook lady. I have to go find her. Oh, she's a life coach. Hmm. So it's <laughs> like being able to suspend or pause my disbelief of this might be the thing that works. And then doing it and going through that whole transformation so much so that I became a coach myself. Obviously I had to change the story around that one. So it's just interesting how things come full circle. So keep following the breadcrumbs, keep testing lots of things. You'll eventually get there if you test enough stuff. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And if the goal is what you want, the things that don't work are just more information, more data points. Yeah. It's more steps along the way. And you get to check it off then. You can be like, oh no, that didn't work. I'm going to go try this other thing that I found out about. And the breadcrumbs can be so tiny. It could be listening to another podcast episode, or it could be going to seek out a new mentor like you did for Brooke. It can be even the tiniest things that are going to lead you to the next breadcrumb. And that's the thing about breadcrumbs is when you go to pick up one, you don't necessarily know where the next one's going to be. And that's okay. So just whatever the next one is for you, even if that's just okay, I'm going to be aware of breadcrumbs. I'm going to start looking for them. That can be the first one. Literally. Yeah. Okay. So I want to shift gears. I want to move into the resolution round and learn a little bit more about you, how you set goals and what goals you're currently working on. So let's start out with, do you set goals or resolutions? And what is that process like for you? A hundred percent. I set goals. Yes. I love becoming the next new version of myself. And Mm -hmm. so therefore I love setting goals because That's what goals do is in order to achieve a new goal when weight loss, I used to be the type of person who would overeat to tolerate her life and then to become the type of person who sometimes eats s'mores, but like it's super rare 
and to be the type of person who effortlessly maintains her weight. They mm-hmm. could have never dreamed that could be my reality, but it's just a testament to like, you can definitely become a different person if you want to, mm-hmm. and it can be fun. So in terms of goal setting, one of the basics, like we've already talked about is working on one thing at a time, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Every once in a while, I can work on a big business thing and a big personal thing. Like right now I'm trying to grow my business. And I mentioned, I'm working with a functional medicine doctor for healing my thyroid and Mm -hmm. finding out the root cause of it so that I don't have to get surgery or take a like radioactive pill to kill my thyroid. Like that you could even look at as like a breadcrumb of, okay, I tested that whole Western medicine endocrinologist solution way. It's not for me, not interested in either of those solutions. Let's go find something else. And just being willing to piddle with enough stuff to come across it. Yeah. I've been in the the backseat watching you go through this thyroid journey now, even back to the beginning of the year when you're like, is this something that I tackle? Do I not? And so making that decision to pursue it was the first breadcrumb and then deciding, okay, this isn't the route I'm going to go. And even sometimes this person isn't the person to help me. All those breadcrumbs have led you here to the really great place that you're at. Even if you haven't reached the end of that journey or even the maintaining phase yet, you've gotten this far and that's amazing. It really is. It always just comes down to, I wouldn't even say a micro decision, but I also wouldn't say like a huge life-changing decision. It's It was just the decision that I am going to figure this out. I don't have a, I don't have a clue right. what to do. <laughs> I have no idea. You didn't right? know what the not breadcrumbs were going to be. Yeah. No, not a clue. And it's just, I'm deciding that I'm going to figure out how to heal my thyroid. I don't have a clue. But the place you have to start is, and one of my mentors, Stacey Bayman, who is a life coach for life coaches that want to make money, she talks about three stages. And this is how I broke down the thyroid goal. This is, if I had to look back, it's probably how I did weight loss, even though I didn't know about this yet. Stage one is the impossibility stage. And that helped me in my thyroid journey of, let me just write down all the reasons my brain thinks it's impossible to heal my thyroid. I'm out of time. I don't know how to do it. I don't know who could help me. I don't know. Even if I find a doctor, are they even going to be able to help Mm -hmm. me? Like all the reasons and really giving that airtime was so important because once I wrote all of those down and I just let her rip and I just heard it out, I didn't have to do tons of active pursuing of thought of thought work on Mm -hmm. those types of thoughts. Like I just gave them airtime and a lot of them, I wouldn't say floated away, but I think more organically changed into new thoughts. So step one was impossibility. The second step is possibility. And so that sounded like it's possible, even though I was super skeptical, like it's possible that (laughs) I could maybe find someone like maybe it's a stretch and just wiggling those old impossibility thoughts. And then it's from that place of possibility is where action started to take place. A lot of, I would say, beginning of this year, like beginning of January is when I actively started working on thyroid thoughts is what I'm calling it. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even really start taking tangible action that you could look at. Most of it was in my brain. They had to get my mind on board because there's no way I could take action from believing it's impossible. I would only prove that true. After my brain kind of got on board with it might maybe be possible to 
figure this out, right? Mm -hmm. And find someone. It's then I started researching. Then I started asking my other coach. And then I started listening to certain podcasts and then following the breadcrumbs. Again, ultimately it led to where I am now in the inevitability stage. Step one, impossibility. Step two, possibility. Now it's inevitable that I will Mm -hmm. heal my thyroid, which is crazy to think about. That was just eight months ago. What, what is it? Oh, eight or nine months ago that it was January. And I thought it was totally impossible. So mm-hmm. it's a testament to having amazing coaches to help you on this journey and working through all the mind drama and all of its flavors and getting to the stage now where this goal is, it's not quite in maintenance mode because we're still in the throes of doing testing and finding out what the root causes are and how to solve for them. But I am well on my way. It is mm-hmm. only a matter of time until I figure this out. And that is the most amazing thing ever. So did I answer your question enough about let's see goal setting? Yeah. Picking one and going all in and then also working through the drama that comes out around just picking one. Oh my God. How am I going to manage the rest of my life? There's so many obstacles, even in just the picking of the one. Mm -hmm. And so it makes sense that it is so challenging. Yeah. What is the biggest goal or resolution that you've set and completed? Weight loss. Totally. Yeah. Like that one, I started that at the beginning of 2020 and yeah, I lost most of the weight, but yeah, weight loss for sure. This other one is going to be another Mm -hmm. huge one too. And back to back years, like if I can do this in two years and I've only been in scholars for, I don't know, a year and a half, more than that, maybe what's possible for the rest of my life. Like I'm 25. Holy crap. Thinking about mm-hmm. the rest of my life, what I can accomplish. It yeah. blows my mind. Yeah. So exciting. So we, we talked a bit about the thyroid. That's, yeah. so that's a goal that you're working on now and you only set yeah. one goal at a time. So is that the only thing? It is and it isn't right. So I'm in the stage where, like I said, it's not quite maintenance mode, but it's, it's still being actively worked on, but I'm taking certain supplements and getting regular testing. And so that's what makes it somewhat of an active goal. But for the most part, the work now is staying consistent with taking my medications and sticking to my protocol that I know works. (laughs) Right. And so that's the work, but some other goals that I have. and, And right now, since it's August, I'm thinking about what am I going to accomplish by the end of the year? Mm-hmm. And even now I've even been thinking about probably mid summer. What is my main goal going to be for next year? And also giving myself permission to start whenever I want. I don't need a special date of the year to tell me, okay, now I can pick a goal. Now I can start. It's I can start whenever I want. So some fun ones that, so I am a digital organization coach. So I geek out on all the things. So I've always had this like plugin, this plugin hard drive, which is fine. But anytime I want to move my computer or take my laptop to, I call it my yoga room. It's not really a yoga room. It's a family room, but it's where it has a couch and I do my journal. <laughs> if I want to take my laptop in there, it's so annoying to eject this hard drive. And it's just, it's so painful. So I bought a wireless one and I'm so excited to set that up because then I won't have to constantly unplug it. And that's a relatively large goal because I've never done that before. And so it's in the process, but there's some technical things that make me super frustrated. So I'm working through some of that right now, but um, getting that all set up. And then my mom growing up. So I'm from Illinois, Southern Illinois, and I grew up being the cutest little rodeo girl you ever did see. So I would ride horses and ride the barrels and do all the things. And so my mom loves to take pictures and she also loved to print them. Mm -hmm. So a couple of years ago, I got all of the pictures from her. 
and they're all printed out. They're like four by six. And I have this closet back here in my office. It's just like a standard regular closet, pretty regular size. And it's full of pictures. And so that's going to be my impossible goal for next year is digitizing all of those. And like when I put them into, I'll probably use Google photos. Like they have to be dated so that I can have them have the computer read, right? They're from 2000 or 2007. Mm -hmm. So that is a huge goal, but it's having the vision of it being done and living in it's done energy, as I like to call it. So it's not, oh my God, I don't know how to do it. How am I going to figure this out? It's going to be so hard. It's like really just stepping into that future version of myself that I can already visualize myself working on organizing the pictures, mm-hmm. sorting them, digitizing them, blogging them. That is a big goal, but it's totally doable if you have the mind management tools and you're just willing for it to be uncomfortable and take probably longer than you think. But if you can manage your mind around just picking that one thing, you actually accomplish it faster, which mm-hmm. is ironic, right? We think, oh, if I work on multiple things at once, I can get them all done and then they'll be done faster. But the opposite is totally true for me. And so that's one goal that I'm going to work on next year and then continuing to grow my business. So that's a huge one too. So managing your mind around all the levels of different growth that you have in business, right? I always Mm -hmm. say being an entrepreneur is like getting a PhD in personal development, And that's a beautiful thing. Then you get to grow and it's like that journey of growth is fun in and of itself, even though it has a lot of uncomfortableness and difficulties, like it's so worth it. And it's so fun. Yeah. So every week on the podcast, I encourage listeners to resolve to do something or experiment or take some action. So what would you encourage listeners to resolve to do? I already mentioned it a couple of times, but it's a good one. So I'll use it just to keep following the breadcrumb, Mm -hmm. right? Like, the only reason you haven't got your goal yet is because you just haven't tried enough things. Mm-hmm. My coach broke She always used to say that. She still says that. And for a while, it used to be irritating. I'm like, yeah, whatever. But really, truly, the only reason you haven't got there is because you haven't tested enough stuff. So resolve to do the thing you know is the next step, right? Along yeah. along all my journeys, it's it's the thing that feels obvious. Like the obvious next step would be to go research types of people to help with my thyroid or go research possibly a health coach. And it's that might be the thing. It might not, but how will I ever know if I just sit back here and guess and hope it's the right one mm-hmm. and then never do it? My growth always happens the fastest when I just pick something. And that's the hardest part sometimes too. It's just like, really seriously, just pick something and Mm -hmm. let's go. Yeah. And we just need to follow the breadcrumbs. Maybe that our future self is left for us. Totally. Totally. She's like whispering to us. Whenever I started researching functional medicine doctors, I kept following the breadcrumbs. Someone recommended I look on the, it's like an IFM international, whatever functional medicine doctor. Mm -hmm. I don't know, someplace to find functional medicine doctors. And I'm thinking, okay, I live out in the middle of nowhere, Southern Illinois. It takes two hours to get to St. Louis where probably is my best shot to find someone. I was researching them and I pulled up this webpage of this one guy and I'm like, I had that, that like a twinge. I don't know if it's the best mm-hmm. way to describe it. Like you just feel it in your body of a yes. Of oh, a mm-hmm. that's him. And then well, I didn't quite ignore it. I kept him in there and he was in like the pool of candidates more or less. And I kept whittling them down 
And eventually I had called his office and his receptionist or whatever answered some of my questions of how to get started. And um, I'm like, okay, I have a couple, I have another place I want to call and see. And then I called them and they did the thing where it's okay, press one for whatever, press two to talk to somebody. And I did that. And then they wanted me to leave a voicemail and I'm like, oh, it's a no from me. And so I called the other place right back and booked it immediately. And thinking back, I'm like, I knew it was him from the very mm. beginning when I saw him on that website and not in like, a, oh, I should have just picked him from the start. It's I knew all along that this was going to be my functional medicine doctor. And mm. his name is Jason and he's amazing. So I'm really excited about that. That's so interesting because I had that exact same experience when I got my therapist a few years ago. The breadcrumbs were first I needed to do research and then I needed to keep doing research. And then as soon as I saw her picture, I was like, I know that's her. So the next breadcrumb was just to book our first appointment and then just to keep following them from there. But you're so right. And sometimes the breadcrumb is, I'm just going to be aware that I'm looking for the next breadcrumb and that's totally okay. It's okay to be in that liminal space in the middle of steps, but when it comes up, just know, okay, that's the next one. I got to keep going. Totally. Okay. So now I have some confetti questions. These are just for fun to help us get to know you (laughs) a little bit better. I think I know a lot of the answers, but our listeners don't. So let's get to it. What time do you get up? 7 a.m. every day. When do you do your best work? 10 o'clock till about noon, 1230-ish, one-ish. <laughs> or lunch. <laughs> right. And that's interesting too, right? It's A, because I have the Bulletproof Coffee, which I love. Mm-hmm. And again, back to food and weight loss, that's another strategic byproduct of my protocol that I love. Like I romanticize my protocol so much. I love it so much. I get the best work done when I'm fasted in Mm -hmm. terms of intermittent fasting. I eat lunch between two or it's two. And then I eat dinner at six to seven between then I just don't eat. Mm -hmm. My body doesn't need the food. It requires very little fuel. So when there's no food in my stomach, it's like all of my energy goes to my brain and I produce so much stuff. Like it is Mm -hmm. unreal. So that's super fun. What's the best piece of advice you've been given? That's a good question. Can we come back? Pass. Come back. Sure. Okay. We'll come back to it. (laughs) What do you do to rest? Yoga. I love me some yoga and there's so many flavors of it, right? Like I could get a decent sweaty, like breathing heavy workout with yoga, which used to sound crazy to me, or I could do like cozy resting yoga. Mm -hmm. Like there's yoga for all the things I love it or walking. Yeah. 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 I walked you. What's your favorite beverage? Sparkling water. Or regular yeah. water. They're both yeah. amazing. <laughs> Favorite TV show. Right now it's in Practical Jokers. Do you watch that? Mm-mm. Oh my gosh. Okay. So it's on, if you have HBO, it's on there or like on regular TV. It is the funniest thing. Me and my boyfriend <laughs> just like will bust up laughing. Do you know what it is though? Mm-mm. Oh my God. It's like these four guys. They've been friends since high school. They live in New York, like Staten Island. So they all have the accents except for one of them, but they make each other do ridiculous stuff in public. Normally I'm annoyed by stupid, funny stuff. So stupid, but this it's so stupid, but hilarious. And two, it's like, in terms of us as life coaches, learning how to feel our feelings, being masters at feeling our feelings and teaching our clients how to do it too. I think I like put myself in their situations of saying something really embarrassing or humiliating to another human in public, a stranger, you almost can feel it. Too. Yeah. Like, oh, you can. so uncomfortable. <laughs> and it's, oh God, they have got to be masters at feeling mm. their feelings because oh, that is some hard stuff. Okay. Next. Okay. What book has had the greatest impact on your life? Atomic Habits. What book are you currently reading? Deep Work by Cal Newport. I'm listening to it. 
It's so good. Oh my God. Oh, I told you this two weeks ago. I was listening to it. And then there was an example from Peter Shankman, how he like right. goes on planes. And I had already had a call on the books to meet with him. And for the listeners who don't know him, Peter Shankman is one of my mentors, my longtime mentors in ADHD. So he has a very successful ADHD podcast and wrote a book, maybe more books, multiple books, but he is in my words, famous. And that's the thing too, following the breadcrumbs in networking for business. Like somebody that I met on lunch club, like just so happened to know him and said, yeah, I'll totally, I'll look you up. And the rest is history. He's going to be on my podcast and I'm going to be on his podcast. Like what? I could have never planned that out. There's no way. What is a win that you're currently celebrating that we can toast with you? That. Yes. Okay. (laughs) We'll toast that with you. That is so exciting. Okay. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Okay. We have to come back. What is the best piece of advice you've been given? Oh, why is it so hard? Okay. I just thought of one that I used the other day, actually. And I'm applying it to working on QuickBooks, which... Can we just hold space for a second? How hard QuickBooks is? (laughs) Sure, having to manage my mind around that. Whenever I catch myself telling myself, this is so hard, sometimes what I do is go and do thought work and inch my way to thinking thoughts and then getting to the wish list thought of this is easy. But now it's okay. Being able to not just turn off the emotions from like, this is hard and all the difficulty there, but just if I catch myself saying, this is hard immediately turn it right back around and pretend that it's opposite day and then tell myself, oh, this is easy, right? Oh, you're just, this is easy. And I I tried that the other day and I'm like, whoa, it works. It Hmm. works. It's all just your thoughts. Yeah. Interesting. It is easy for some people. It can be easy for it, you. It could. Yeah. Like it's possible that this is going to be totally easy. And then going right. and testing that. Improvement. I know. I love it when all the tech stuff, you think it's going to be so hard and then it takes five minutes. Right. Or even if it takes way longer, you're so proud of yourself when you figure it out. Oh my God. It's going to be so awesome when I figure it out. Yes. And it is. Totally. So where can people go to find more information about you and your work and all the amazing things that you're doing? All the things. So you can go to morgan.dotsoncoaching.com. It's M-O-R-G-I-N. That's easy. And then D-O-D-S-O-N coaching.com. I also have a podcast of my own. So of course, this is always super fun to record podcasts, especially with my friends. Mm -hmm. So that's called Going Paperless with ADHD. And that is pretty conversational. Like this one, if you enjoyed anything I talked about today, you're going to love my podcast too. So it's like me and you sitting in a room chatting. So that's super fun. There you go. (laughs) Yeah. Morgan, thank you so much for coming and chatting with me today and sharing about your weight loss journey and just all the other advice and insights that you had to share. Yes. And I feel obligated to say to all your listeners, I will see you soon because I'm sure I'll be back on. It's only a matter of time. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So we're saying goodbye to Morgan just for now. (laughs) Just for now, right? Okay. And that's a wrap on my interview with Morgan Dodson. She had so much wisdom to share today. I love the idea of following the breadcrumbs. That's something that I'm definitely going to be using in my own life. And I know with my clients bringing that up to them, it's something that even as I look at different projects that I'm working on, different things that I hope to pursue in the future, it's such a great reminder that I don't have to know how it's all going to play out. I don't have to know even in some cases the destination where I'm heading, but if I can just figure out what the next breadcrumb is, if I can just take the next tiny step or just be open to what that step might be, all of that is moving me in the direction that I want to go. So thanks for tuning into the Resolve Podcast. You can follow me on Instagram at Carly Tizano. I would love to connect with you. Don't forget to rate and review. It really helps other people find the show. And subscribe if you haven't already so that you don't miss another great episode next week. 
For the show notes or additional support in reaching your goals, check out carlychisano.com. Until next time, here's to all that lies ahead.